You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. If you guys haven't checked out the new Navigator series from Lacrosse, I strongly suggest you do that. Two really good boots within that Navigator series, the Windrose and the Atlas. If you want to find out more information about all of the boots that Lacrosse offers, visit their website, lacrossefootwear.com. You won't regret it. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Okay, another podcast this week right here. Sportsman's Nation, Land and Legacy Podcast. Adam here. Matt is here. And we are uh, we're changing things up a little bit this week, or on this podcast. Um, you know, guys, we talk so much about habitat and land management, but what is it all for if we, <laughs> if it's not good on the home front or um it's it's you know there's a reason we do it and we manage the land the way we do in the in the image that you know we're called to be caretakers of God's creation we're called to be stewards of the land and um when we are managing the land we can see his power God's power in everything that we're looking at um and in the intricate details of God's creation. And there's power and in every little thing that's out there. And this podcast kind of opens the door and opens the conversation for what it all means, how it can be utilized to create a stronger um, bond and open our eyes to what creation really is. I think... I think that it it more than kind of opens the door. It's just flung wide. <laughs> he kicked open. it over. He kicked it down. Kicked, he kicked it open with authority, and we're talking about Dr. Sanchez, and he is our guest this week, guys. And I, I am totally excited for you guys to be able to hear it um, because it does. We we talk so much about creation and just all the many details of, of just how perfectly designed and all that it is. But, but this is, this is the why, this is the meaning behind everything. And this is the, the message and, and heart of, of land legacy. This is what we feel called to be able to do is just enlighten and encourage and educate people about the outdoors, because this is the message that is going to be long lasting and make a difference and make an impact. Um, habitat is, is incredible and we love working in it and managing it as we are called to do so. But this is the message that, um, man, I think it's going to be, uh, an awesome response. Truthfully, yeah. so I'm, I'm encouraged to be able to share it and hear back from people too, Adam. Absolutely. And, and the big thing about this one is fellas and ladies, this is, this is our, our request from you this week. You come here asking for habitat advice or looking for some help on your landscape. But this is one where open your mind. If you're a little bit distracted, um, 
maybe this isn't the podcast if you kind of listen to them in passing. This is one that we hope that you can set down, clear your mind, and just listen to all the great insight that Dr. Sanchez shares um, through his message in this podcast because it can really help um, help you, help us, um, and overall, just a... Uh, this is just a podcast that's been a long time coming and is kind of a big part of, of who we are, what we're trying to do with Land and Legacy. It's not just a, it's not just a, a consulting company, but we're, there's an there's a bigger message um, in Land and Legacy, and so um, hopefully this will give you some insight in, in everything that we've got going on. Yeah, definitely, definitely take take time and and you know maybe you're listening at the office or driving down the road or whatever, but just slow your mind, prepare yourself. And we would just, we'd love to hear back from, from what that pod, this podcast means to you. Um, you know, how, how is it maybe applicable to your life or, or, um, you know, we always get questions about a property, but, but there is, there is more to all this. So um, we break it down this week and, and this is not going to be, the one and only time we hear from Dr. Sanchez. This is going to be one of many because he's a extremely wise gentleman, and uh, we've just recently come to know him actually through Brenton, um, who was on the last, this week's podcast, the other podcast, and extremely grateful for that introduction because of uh, the wisdom that he has and be able to share as a hunter, but as a father, as a man of God. It's very powerful. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Absolutely. Um... He's got a podcast coming out on his YouTube channel. Yeah. And he's also got a great um, nonprofit he's got going on, um, 12 to Outdoors. So check all those out and uh, be sure to follow along with all the great work that he's got going on. And um, there will be a book coming soon, too, that he has written. Yeah. Resilient Man. Renewing. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So... Guys, this is ooh, this is going to be a good this one. This is it. <laughs> and I do encourage too. I've already told my wife. I said, "Listen, you're going to have to you're going to have to listen to this one." She's she's familiar with the conversation that that we've had with uh, Dr. Sanchez, and she's like, "I'm really excited to to listen to that um, because I think that just collectively, whether whether it's it hits you personally or or um, can be applicable to you and your family and your family situation." I just encourage you you to share, or maybe you know a fellow hunter who might be um, struggling. I think that this podcast will be one that you want to just pass along, text it to them, share it on Facebook, whatever it may be. But um, I think there's a lot of people out there who could probably benefit from the words and, and just the discussion here in the podcast. Dr. Sanchez, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Ready to rock this thing. Man, I I know Adam and I are really, really, really pumped. I think I think we always say, honestly, at the beginning of every we show, do. we're excited for this podcast. We're excited for every podcast, but this one has a different anticipation. I, I oh, man, this one's going to be good. We're kind of going a slightly different different direction or but it's in the same direction oh, but yeah. it's not it's in something we've always really wanted to chat yes but, definitely it's, it's kind of like 
we're habitat specialists and we have our, our own feelings, observations and emotions and spirituality around this topic. But this is a guy who can like bring it home and I think describe it to people in a way that we would like stumble around with. Oh, it's kind of like you're the professional, Dr. Sanchez, and we're extremely glad to have you on the podcast and uh, extreme man of faith and understands the mind and understands the outdoors and has an extreme passion for all of that. And it's like you are the perfect person for this. And we are extremely excited to be able to have you on this morning. I'm very excited. I feel like uh, DH, Mr. October, you know, stepping up, (laughs) ready to knock out of the park. Let's go, baby. A baseball reference already, man. uh, We've never stole hands, but we're we're (laughs) like-minded. Yeah, correct. (laughs) As long as you're not a Cubs fan. Was my man. well, I think it's I think it's only only right, sir, if if you give a, a brief kind of background of your know, professional as well as personal background of, of who you are and uh, kind of what you do, what what brought you to the stage here? Okay, cool. Yeah, so um, my personal background, like I was born in Texas, um, and yes, I already know you don't have to remind me that champions are born in Texas. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> so. Just be keeping it real, bro. That's just right. keeping it real. <laughs> hey, and so uh, my dad, my dad literally suicided mm-hmm. uh, right uh, right around my second birthday. So then wow. we moved with my grandma. We everybody packed up, came up to Iowa. So then I was been mm-hmm. I've been raised in Iowa. So Sioux City, Iowa, which is on uh, Interstate 29. Um, and so then uh, I was raised by my mom, single parent mom, grandma. Um, at the time, I had an older sister, and then uh, my mom uh, went through. Uh, three other failed father figures, everyone addicted to alcohol, uh, abusive, uh, literally like literally beat the crap out of me. And, uh, so we should have been taken away. Uh, my mom struggled to find, uh, help the right guy. So my mom has this, uh, issue of like trying to get men so she can help, Mm -hmm. uh, men she can fix kind of thing. It's called codependency. And, uh, we struggled really did. And, uh, but what's really cool is my grandma was basically an entrepreneur and had businesses, at catering businesses, you know, restaurant businesses. So we come up to Iowa with, with, uh, literally a lot of Caucasian folks and, uh, we start making tacos, <laughs> we start <laughs> making, making a way, man, you know, yeah, just climbing yeah. through. So I grew up in the kitchen making food with my grandma. Nice. My mom is absolute beast. She like worked three, four jobs to make ends meet, you know, wow. uh, she worked her butt off to get off welfare. And then, um, so that's kind of the background story. Uh, the piece that's unique about me, is uh, I started becoming really good at a football player, and um, I met a girl named Stacy, who's now my wife, and she was a good girl. She's a Christian girl. Everybody told her to stay away from me because I had the bad rap of like uh, using people, mm. and um, and so it was true. So, but we stayed together for six months. Didn't really do anything that was like kind of out of her book, really. Sure. And then uh, what ended up happening is the first time she made some moves on me, we she got pregnant, and um, so we're we're sixteen, and we, mm-hmm. she's pregnant she's a Christian and I'm not. And, um, I'm sure now that I have a daughter, I'm sure I could just feel her dad literally <laughs> like just rip paint off walls. So just by looking at it, you know? Yeah. So you got this, this crazy dude, you, you got my daughter pregnant. And what's really cool is, um, um, my, my whole family history, my whole family uh, generation, this is a whole nother show, but just the generational curses of teen pregnancies throughout my family. There, mm-hmm. there was no one who made it without getting a baby without having a baby uh, in their teen years, which is pretty crazy. Wow. Um, so 
basically what happened is I started going to church with her. I started going to adult men Bible studies and I just, it took me two years to be able to accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I was an all state football player and I had a crib in my bedroom, which is really funny. <laughs> so my buddies would come to my house and be like, bro, you're really serious about this thing. Right. You know? Yeah. But what, what started to happen is I realized with my dad, you know, shooting himself, I realized like how bad I was abandoned. I didn't mm. realize I was abandoned. And all these feelings of rejection started to show up. Yeah. And um, her parents uh, were going to pay her way to a Christian school called Evangel down in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, yeah. And uh, so she was her sisters had went there. Her parents had went there like they're all they're all ready to go. And I'm like, I'm not going to go to some Christian school. I'm not even a Christian, you know. So that's kind of where it started. And so basically, after two years, I realized I'm not going to let Stacy go. And I also could not infect my son with the same fatherlessness that I had. I just mm. couldn't do it. And so uh, I kept pushing Stacy and kind of just trying to do everything I could to get her to see I was changing. So basically, we got married right out of high school at 18. We had a baby. I played in the Iowa State Shrine game, uh, which is the all-star game. We, the next the, that next Monday, I got married. And then we take a U-Haul up to North Dakota State where I played college football. So I'm 18. I'm married. And I have a one-and-a-half-year-old son. And we launch into college. So that's the unique story for us. Um so I played college football there. We won a national championship in 1990. Uh, the great news is I graduated with a bachelor's degree. My wife graduated with a bachelor's degree. We went on to uh, the University of Iowa, where I joined the PhD program there for psychology. And uh, I got stuck a little bit. I wanted to help men, uh, literally to rehab men. So I did a lot of work mm-hmm. in prison. Mm-hmm. So I spent a year in prison, but as a psychologist to try and see if I could help rehab men. And I realized it's not, it's not too late, but I realized like one in 10, that I saw would really, really break down and talk about the truth and really want help. So I went down to work with adolescents. Right. And so we have a clinic called Renewing the Mind Clinic, and we focus a lot on adolescents. Uh, as, as my specialty. And then I also work with men. Uh, I feel like I'm called to to really, really help and direct men. So that's the, the professional side of that, of where we're at. Renewing the Mind Clinic it was established uh, based on Romans 12.2. Mm-hmm. And uh, it goes like this. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And then the second part is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then the third part is so that you may test and approve what God's perfect will is for you. In fact, it says perfect, pleasing will. And so there's three parts there. So we move that into three parts like you don't conform. Right. You transform by renewing your mind and then you find what's awesome about God's will and for you specifically for you. Yeah. So that's how, that's why I got here. I love that. Wow. So obviously you, you've got a, a, a deep history, um, a lot of life lessons and things that have, have shaped you one as an individual, but obviously have a huge passion for um, helping men, well, people in general, but, but men specifically um, and, you know, you have a but you have a rich history though too, in the outdoors, um, and that that piece is kind of important to tie into future conversations. So, h- how did you get started hunting or fishing, just getting outside? Yeah. Um, so, my grandpa, well, step grandpa Tom, um, was a uh, Caucasian, red hair, freckled guy who uh fell in love with my grandmother mm-hmm. and so uh, i think they're together probably like uh, i don't know 18 19 years or something but um he drove a big dodge truck and he used to take me down to a place in iowa so- southern iowa called timber ridge 
And uh, he took me as kind of like his helper. I was a really strong worker. Like I, I would outwork everybody my age kind of deal. And so uh, he would take me because I could help him change the mud tires and help him set up camp. We'd just, you know, tent out. And then him and my grandma would go to the bar and just hang. And I'd just sit out by a fire um, and just roast marshmallows, whatever, roast hot dogs. That's where I learned. I'm like, I'm like a field the fork guy nice. like way back in the day, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so uh, I, I like to ch- figure out rest, uh, recipes and stuff like that. So they took me along a lot. And I, I saw a lot of hunters, people talk about big bucks and just, you know, talk about hunting. So um, as a teenager, he'd take me pheasant hunting. But what happened is most of the time he was an alcoholic. So most of the time I'd show up Saturday morning early, he'd, he'd just be drunk playing on the couch. And so mm. as soon as I turned 16, in fact, it's illegal, but when I was 15, my grandma would let me go for a while. So, but when I was 15 and started going out, when I got a license, it was, it was all legit, whatever that 16, I could go out legally and I would just come over. He'd be drunk. I'd take his, his coat, his gun. Um, I'd take the car and I'd go shoot a bird or two, drop off the gun and the gear at my grandma's. I'd go home and I would cook a pheasant that day. Mm. And so the field, the fork stuff started for me when I was 15. Wow. Um, I hate to say that was, you know, I didn't really know how to do it. I'd just go to a farm and, permission we had shoot one pheasant and come home um and then i realized it was illegal so i stopped waiting so i was 16 got my stuff license everything and then um i went out and did it legally the correct way and then i would take three birds and then i would right. come home and cook them three different ways <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and uh and my grandma would i my grandma would teach me how to do all that stuff it was really awesome um so um you know just not knowing having an alcoholic you know trying to push you to do stuff not to do stuff um, you know, legal, illegal, like I didn't know as a kid. Um, but once I got it settled in the outdoors piece for me was super cool because what happened is, um, I literally would go out, get my bird. If I had one in the freezer, I would only take one. If I didn't have any, I would take two or three and I would come home and cook. And in fact, when I met Stacy, who's now my wife, um, this is pretty bad to even say, but I tested her. Like I would tell her to come over. I'm cooking some some chicken and rice and it would be pheasant and I'd see if she'd like it. <laughs> and then I, next time I'd cook her rabbit and rice and see if she liked it. And in fact, she liked rabbit more than pheasant. So I was like, I can marry this girl, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's what, yeah. Yeah. She's the one, right. Correct. So that's where it started. Uh, it, it started with pheasant hunting with my grandpa because I just wanted that connection. Uh, but even as he fell away because of alcoholism, it still took off for me individually and then um, had some friends that we started hunting. They got licenses and got got all their cool stuff. And so sometimes we'd have a party of like four guys on Saturdays, just 17-year-olds going out, just dropping some birds. And then we'd come back to my house and eat because I was a cook. I tended to be the cook. Um, so I didn't start deer hunting until 1999 uh, wow. with a bow, a deer and turkey hunting. And then uh, once I picked up a bow, though, I never looked back. It's just, it's unreal. It is. So. It's a different experience for sure. Um so yeah, I think everyone at a like podcast listeners knows like where we're at and, and how the outdoors and working in creation, we feel like, you know, that's a, a medium for, for God to be able to speak to us um, and be stewards of the land. We're called to do that, manage and oversee that. Um, but Dr. Sanchez, how, how is that like an opportunity to like escape stress and and how how do you bring all those pieces kind of back together as in like okay you're you're stressed you've got all this worry on you what does the outdoors kind of do and and how how does that work within the mind yeah so what's really cool is um when when you get outside um 
it really does change the way you breathe and it happens naturally. You don't even focus on it. You don't even think about it. Well, you know, in, in general, breathing is um, involuntary. Okay. But it's, it can be overtaken because we can really force ourselves to breathe a different way. When you get outdoors, what, what literally happens is your brain goes into what's called parasympathetic breathing, which it slows down. You don't realize it, but you exhale more than you inhale because you're relaxed. And normally around stress, like let's say a busy, like just think about when you go to a big city, like when I go present a conference in Chicago or something, there's horns all the time, there's whistles all the time, there's just so much noise. You don't even realize it, but you're breathing faster because your body is saying, hey, gear up, hey, ready to go. So the two systems, okay, so sympathetic, that is a arousal or excitement breathing, and it basically tells your body to gear up, get aroused, you know, because you have to fight or flight, like you got to be on edge. And then when you get into parasympathetic, think of the para as a parachute, like a race mm. car that pops a parachute, and it's going to slow you down, okay? Um, and the research on the green therapy is super cool. It's basically like, it's like an autonomic nervous system response just simply by being outdoors. Okay. So this is even better. So in a study they did, they took people and they stressed them out like artificially. They made them look at stuff that stressed them out. And then they gave them two separate groups. They put people in a group where they just simply looked at green space pictures, like literally on a computer screen. And then they take, they took a look at their breathing through like um, sinus respiratory um, apparatuses that they hooked them up to and they looked at how bad, you know, or how fast their breathing happens. And then the other group looked at what's called cityscape. So it's just like big pictures of buildings and rustic, uh, you know, broken down buildings and just basically different pictures of a city. Um, and what we, what they found is that the people who looked at the pictures of green space, literally their breathing slowed down and they got into more parasympathetic breathing, which is more exhaling than inhaling. Okay, and so what we do know is is looking at green pictures, getting out in green space, it literally becomes what we call a buffering system. So like a buffering system is like if stress is zero to 10 and on those days when we wake up and we're already at an eight, I have very little capacity to deal with stress. So I might be irritable. I might be you know, snappy like my kids when I was like in those phases, my kids would whisper to my wife like, hey, mom, why is dad grouchy? You know, mm -hmm. stuff like that just because you're just wearing that stress in your face. Okay, so if I wake up like that, now if I get outdoors, a buffering system takes me from an eight down to a zero. So I start my day to zero. Uh, let's say I'm really good at this and I actively get outdoors multiple times a week so that I can buffer. I can get myself to a negative five heading into the work week. Ooh. Now for me, for me specifically, if I go with my daughter who absolutely loves the outdoors, like she gets out of the truck and she literally is like jogging on Instagram, I posted her walking to a tree stand this year because she walks so fast. I'll talk to her like, honey, we got to slow down and watch where you're stepping. And um, I was like, if we're going to talk, let's do some hand signals, you know? <laughs> and so so I'm trying to get her attention. I'm filming her. I'm like, we got to call her name a little bit. And she she kind of looked, but it wouldn't look. And then she looked at me with this mean face like you're talking. <laughs> but, but she's walking so fast, you know? And uh, we were we were doing a hunt this year and some does came to the left and she was, she was all excited and she's She's thumping me and she's like, shoot him, shoot him, take one, take one. And she's like, take one. I want to see. But there's through this brush. And I'm like, honey, I have an arrow. I, it's not going to make it. And she was like, dad, I've seen you shoot. You're good enough. <laughs> <laughs> so Confidence. I'm like, baby, I love you. You know, yeah. we have this, we have this thing where we get stressed or anything happens. I just look at her. I'm like, baby, you're going to kill it. You're a Sanchez. 
Okay. Like that, yeah. So like just build, build faith in our name, build faith in who we are, you know? And so she hits me and she's like, dad, you're Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, she's killing me. Oh. Uh, no, but I didn't take the shot because I didn't want to wound a doe, but I kind of explained it to her. But here's the thing, like that one hunt, I can chew on that for like 12 days. Like, oh. so now I'm in the, I'm a minus 10. And I'm heading to the work week and everybody's like, dude, what's up? You're like all Jack. You're all excited. You know, they can see it. People, people feel it. And I carry this great energy because if I'm not carrying stress, I can literally pour into people with zero like effort, effort on me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm an eight, I have no room. And so people are talking to me. I'm like, yeah, 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 I got it. And I just don't really, they can feel that I'm not giving them anything. You know what I'm saying? And so the buffering system is so unique because think about this. Like we have, we have scientific data that proved to us by looking at green space pictures, like just trees, just greenery, just a big field, just rolling hills, just tall switchgrass. It doesn't matter if that drops your nervous system. And if that slows down your breathing, what about taking a walk with your daughter in the woods? Yeah. What about taking some people who've never seen or experienced some situations in the woods and you just walk in to show them what, what this is or what that is or mushrooms. I'd have to take you guys, by the way, because I'd, I'd have like a little book manual. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, uh, hold on. What is this yeah. called? Like, let, me, you know. let me write this down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me take a picture of it. I'll Google it. Yeah. So, uh, but can you imagine like the difference between just looking at pictures and then us who get to like get out in the outdoors every week? Mm-hmm. Well, you see absolutely. the difference? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like I can... And I think everyone probably listening too is like, I experienced that. Like, I know that's what it does for me as an individual. Um, like, I, I know I can just go into the woods and feel differently. I don't have to be successful, you know, hunting wise. I just, I feel different. And I think it's super important for, for people to understand, like, that's a real thing. Like, biology wise, that's kind of the way we were built. And here, here's some science to be able to kind of prove that. It's absolutely correct. Yeah. And I think also just like with the uh, the whole like biological process, I think I think like just like any other skill set, like somebody's born with the ability to sing or someone's born with like artistic skill where they can just draw like, 3D stuff with, with, with really no lessons. I really do think that's how everybody is in general. But I think some people are wired even more mm. like as a young kid after school, I would go hop on my bike and I would cruise my bike. And the purpose of riding my bike initially was to find the right tree. And I would go climb trees mm-hmm. and then, and then I would just hang out in these trees and just watch people. I mean, like just hang out, just, just breathe, just sit up in the trees. And then I'm, I'm a big mulberry fan, like, you know, these big blackberries and I would find trees where I could go hang out in trees and eat <laughs> your face is all purple. Your hands are all purple. I'm sure, I, I'm sure I'm riding a bike and people are like, look at that drug addict kid. He's, he's, he's hooked on those berries, you know? So, uh, but yeah, that's just for me. And I didn't like going home because I never knew how my stepdad was going to be. So, I mean, I literally rode my bike to escape, but then I escaped to the trees and then I actually ended up falling in love with trunk climbing trees. And it's funny yeah. because all my kids are monkeys. They all climb trees and I'm just like, that's gotta be genetic. You know? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I'm just sitting here picturing, you know, making it very clear that outdoors is a place to really relieve, release stress and, and just start exhaling and, and carrying that into the week to where you, you're a more pleasant person to be around. But if you're, for our listeners out there and even ourselves, uh, how does one go about taking that information and getting to the outdoors 
but then also having the control or the understanding of because of the world we live in where there's guys who and and I know I've been guilty of it. Yeah. And I know sure. Matt and I've both yeah. been guilty of it of going to the outdoors too much to a point where it causes conflict with with our spouses. And so could you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um the the one of the guys who gave me some land to hunt on, well, he just gave me permission. Um, his name's Bill, and a uh, great mentor, a Christian guy. We go to conferences and we talk about Jesus, we talk about the Bible, and and we talk really in depth, you know, about things. And he lets people hunt, uh, especially just bow hunters only, um, because he doesn't like uh, you know starting the animals and he doesn't like lead out there, just all that stuff. What's really amazing is um, he asked me a question and he said, "How long have you been bow hunting?" And I think that was like 2001. Um, and I said, uh, I was like, I think two years. And he's like, Oh, he's like, so you're still in the killing mode. And I didn't understand what he was saying mm. because I'm like, Oh, what, what? because people say, Oh, you kill animals. Like that's usually not a good conversation. You know, they kind sure. of get at me and yell at me and you know, so I'm like, what you, I, I don't understand. You know, I was just thinking in my head, you know, and then, you know, him being wise, you know, he looked back at me and he goes, he's like, I can tell you're struggling with that. Right. And I'm like, yeah, just, I don't know how you, how you mean that. And then he goes, well, he goes, I've been doing this a long, long time. He goes, I've been in your shoes. He's like, where you'll take a deer just to kill something. He goes, just so you can go tell your boys, you know, just right. so you can feel like, just so you can feel accomplished. He goes, then you're going to get to a spot where that's not good enough. You're going to want to kill something with big horns. And then you're going to, you're going to get out and hunt. And if you don't see big horns, you're going to be in despair. And he's like, and then, you know, you'll circle back and you'll just be happy with taking an animal again. And he goes, and then you're going to get to where I'm at. And he goes, I hunt. He goes, but I shoot with a camera. And that's where he's at now. He goes out and sits in tree stands and he likes to actually sit on stumps. Um, or at least he did a few years back. And uh, he likes to go out and take pictures of deer. Hmm. And then and then this is where this is where I didn't get it. But I'm telling you, this is so amazing. He circled back full scale to where he can decrease his stress by going into the man cave and looking at pictures that he's taken himself of deer in green space. Why? Well, because he can appreciate God's creation and he's he's got this green buffering that's happening now where the green space of the picture is decreasing his stress and it's buffering him. It's inoculating him. Like if you go get a flu shot, you're inoculated from the flu. So he's inoculated from stress by going to his man cave and looking at the pictures and be like, Oh yeah, that was the fall of 16. I remember that dude, you know, and he's looking at the trees, you know, and um, what I've been fascinated with lately is, is, is seeing pictures of does hanging around. Like it, it's, it's fawns, you know, uh-huh. and just, just the connection that they have. So I've got a couple of those pictures up in my man cave. And so that's where he's at. So here's the issue. When I was younger and hunting, you know, early two thousands, I would literally beg to hunt and my wife would say, but then, you know, who's going to do this and who's going to do that? Who's going to do the chores? I, I do when I get back. I do when I get back. And then you, know, you go hunting and like you miss a big buck. Like I literally shot over a back of a giant and stuck in a tree, you know, yeah. and I go try to get my arrow and I break my arrow. And I was just like, so you get home and you're mad, you're frustrated, you come in the house, you're frustrated, you know, you're just throwing stuff around. Your wife's asking you to do stuff. And then you're just like, oh, just leave me alone. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, it's like when I tell her the story, like, oh, it's so close, honey. And she's like, I don't want to hear it because she's been slaving over with kids and doing the whole house stuff. And then so you're mad. So you're like, man, you're in the candor. Look back where you can go. You're looking how I can shuffle work. You're looking how I can take a day off and you're not even present, man. You're home, but you're not home, you know? And mm-hmm. then you get out in the tree stand 
but you're not in the tree stand because now you're focused on work because you've been punch, punting work so far. And now you're thinking about your wife. Maybe she's texting you and you're in the tree stand, but you're not actually engaging in the green space because you're just like broke. Right. And that system, that system literally sucks. It sucks the life out of you. It sucks the life out of your wife. It sucks the life out of your relationship with your kids. And now you like, don't even know why you hunt, you know? And you get to a point where, where hunting is like, man, I don't even know if I should hunt anymore. And, and I literally took a year off hunting because I was wrestling with God a little bit because I felt like God was telling me not to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd get out there and things would happen. The scripture would show up or just I was just like, man, everywhere I turn, God's telling me to like circle home. So I literally took a year off from all hunting. I didn't hunt anything, no species that whole year. I still did some riding. I still did some running outdoors so I could get my green space time. And that was a great year. We, we, we rebooted all our things. And then that next year I hunted. I think I literally bow hunted four days and I shot one of my biggest bucks ever. (laughs) And I'm like, Lord, you're, you're confusing. (laughs) Very confusing. I hunted like every day I could and I get nothing. And I hunt four days just in a whim, you know, like, Hey, nothing's going on. My wife's like, honey, go hunt. I'm like, well, are you sure? She's like, yeah. All right. Then I shoot this buck, you know? Right. Right. And so I, I really start to figure out something and here's the idea. We're at a point in my life now where my wife goes into my calendar and we're super busy. Um, I've been doing this a lot, so I have a lot of experience and all that kind of stuff. And so we really we're like four to six months booked out where mm. we, we can't even get anybody in. Like literally, yeah. there's not a spot. Um, and so we have a long wait list and that kind of thing. My wife will look ahead of the calendar and uh, she'll say, you, you know, tell me some dates that might work for you. Like, so I look at the weather, try to look for it's hard to predict, right? Like barometric sure. pressure, and yeah. try to look for a cold front. And so, especially, you know, I'm trying to look four months, five months out. So I just pick on historic days. Like, you know, I like the number four. So November 4th, if that falls on, you know, a Friday or some, some one of those days or something I can hunt. If it's middle of the week, I usually don't. This is too stressful for everybody. But anyways, I try to uh, pick out some dates and then my wife will go ahead of everything and schedule those out for me. She, and she's even telling if you and saying, hey, you should hunt these dates, like making yeah. your calendar. Yeah. In fact, yeah. if she, if, and. So my buffering system is pretty low. I don't wear a lot of stress anymore. I, I'm, I really hover like probably a two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if I get to like a six, she's like, honey, you need to hunt. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm good. I can I take a Valencia to volleyball and stuff like that. And she's like, you know what, here, um, we'll do this and this and this, you know. And then she's like, right after volleyball, why don't, you, why don't you shower down, take your clothes and hunt? Like if I need you, I'll text you on the way home if you need to stop by the store or something. I was like, I love you, babe. And I take off, you know, oh, wow. and, and then what, what that makes me do instead of fighting my wife to get out, I love that she prepares the way for me to get out. And mm. so when I come back, I'm on fire to like help her now. So, um, I'll, you know, sit down and with her and help her, like, look at what we have to do in the calendar. I run around the house, get where I need to get done. And what's really cool is then, and then sometimes she'll ask for a chick flick at night and, and, you know, think about this, like, especially in Iowa, freezing cold. It takes like four days for your bones just to start heating up. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the older I get. Yeah, Yeah. the older I get, like I got like four pairs of socks and then she's like, hey, you want to cut off and watch, you know, Hallmark show. And, you know, I used to be like, uh, honey, I love you, but I don't love you that much. It's kind of joking, Lisa. (laughs) And now actually I love it because it's like we connect. Oh, yeah. You know, so we'll cut up in a blanket, old hands, whatever, hug and watch a show. And as, as silly as it is, I love to see my wife excited because, like, mm-hmm. uh, this is just me, but those shows tend to be very, very predictable. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I've never noticed that, actually. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, honey, so you know the mechanic 
he's going to need a horse and he's going to come back to this guy <laughs> and then he's going to introduce him to the daughter and they're going to, they're going to fall in love and buy the farm. Yeah. She's yeah. like, shh, shh. you know, she's like, I don't want to think about it. I want to think about it. And then it happens and she's the happiest kid. Oh, like, it's funny. so cool to see my wife, like excited about the ending. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, they kissed and oh, they restored the farm. And then she gets so jacked. And um, I love to just like hug her and be like, I'm excited for you, you know? Right. Uh, whereas before, I'd be like, this is cheesy. We're, we're wasting the night, you know? Sure. And that's sure. because I'm stressed and I'm looking at how is this going to help me deal with my stress? Like, I wasn't. Mm. So this buffering system, if you get it right by, you know, getting outside, getting home, and now that you've dropped your stress, you pick up a little bit of family stress so that your family can feel that buffering system for you. Like my wife's not an outdoor person, yeah. But but she'll go on a hike, uh, she'll do a bonfire, she'll eat all the game that I that that, you know, that I make and produce for her. She she's a she's a team player that way, you know. But I'm done trying to get her in the tree stand. I'm done trying to get her in the blind. We've tried all those, and she's frustrated. Then I'm frustrated that she doesn't like it, uh, and all those kind of pieces. But but her real green space time is literally like to go on a on a walk. We'll go out to yeah. a park, and walking shoes, and we walk and we talk. And she loves to conversate and she loves to have my attention. And if we just walk around just like some trees and just walk on a, a, a trail, um, that's, that's, that's her money. That's what she loves. That's, that's like my tree stand. Mm, yeah. I, I think that, <clears throat> and I, I guess I would oppose this to the, to the audience. It's like, so who after, after Dr. Sanchez was talking about the green space therapy was like, Yes, I could take this to my wife and be like, "See, I need to be outside." But then it's like reality sure. check. We also need to be at home, and we also need to find that balance. And we are, let's say, the head of the family, or have this role, or have children, and all these other responsibilities. So, yes, green space therapy is one hundred percent natural and and should be a part of our lives but just like everything it needs to be in balance it needs to be in check and and what one person's calendar or schedule may allow them to be able to do and get outside doesn't necessarily mean that at home things are the way they should be or in balance or in check or you know you have to take everything um and, and really stop and think wow am i am i doing this right? Am I, am I where I should be? Um, so there's that perfect balance. And I think what, what really kind of drives that home, it's what you shared about your wife is she recognizes that you guys communicate about what this outdoor time does for you. And, and she sees that in you on a daily basis as where's he at stress level wise. I respect him. I respect who he is and what he does. And I need to make sure that he has that time to be able to um, be outside. And then that helps us as a family in general, because then when he gets home, he's going to be able to do this and this, this with us and be the person that he wants to be too. But you don't over, or you don't abuse, let's say that green therapy. You check in. Correct. Yeah. And in fact, powerful. Yeah. So, you know, we've been married 30 years and um, we've been through a lot of gamut through that whole marriage process. And like Jesus says, learn of me. Right. Don't go out and make the same mistakes. Just learn of me. Um, That really hit me hard because like one of my life dreams is literally like if I could figure out a way to just like cut part of an ear off, 
stick a little, you know, uh, flash drive into my kids' brains and download exactly what I want them to learn. Like that's what we want as dads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't do that. So I have to bring them along and show them by example. I can't just tell it to them. They have to see it because what the kids see, they pick up naturally. What you tell them, it goes through a filter. So if they believe it, they'll take it. If they don't believe it, they just drop it. Mm. You got to get through their mental filter. So with this concept, what used to happen is like I would you know, be so frustrated. Um, before I bow hunted, I would just pheasant hunt. And, um, if, if it wasn't fencing season, you know, now what? And so there were times in my life when I was so stressful, my wife would literally throw running shoes at me. We'd be in an arguing. I I'm, I'm one of those cut down King guys. I know exactly mm. what to say. Like I can make somebody cry with words. Uh, I can make somebody fly with words. Mm-hmm. And so there were times when I really hurt my wife and she would literally pick up my running shoes, throw them at me, hit me in the chest and the head. And then she would say, just go run. I can't deal with you. Just go run. And literally, that's back when I could just go run five or seven miles without even blinking. And um, I'd come home and I would shower. And when I shower, I listen to worship music. And that shower for me with worship music is how I like, that's how I shed. I drop baggage. I drop information. You know, like year to year, you realize you're carrying too much deer hunting gear. Like, I don't really need to take all this junk to the tree stand. You kind of like, you get your system down. That's where I could shed. I would drop information that bothered me. I would drop stuff that hurt me. I would really pray through my abuse and I would just like cry in the shower sometimes, man. I mean, um, and so this concept of becoming a resilient man is what I I put into a book. Uh, the book's actually at an, at an editor down in Arizona right now and, um, it'll be launching pretty quick here. Uh, it's called resilient man. Yeah. So the resilient man concept is this, like we have to be a hundred percent present. So, you know, we all talk about work, life, family balance, but literally, if you're trying to focus on balance, what happens is you're stuck. So if I'm in the tree stand thinking about my family, I'm, I'm, I'm reducing the effect of green therapy. If I'm at home trying to be present with my kids, but I'm looking at, you know, the barometric pressure and, and thinking when I can get out for this cold front, like mm-hmm. I'm ruining my kid time. So the, the, the balance is true, but how you do it has nothing to do with balance at all. What you have to do is you have to be 100% all in, locked in. So like when I get out of the truck, I dress out in the back of my truck. And while I'm dressing, like literally I'm crazy. So I jump out with my like compression shorts and it's like four degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and I undress like I'm, I'm kind of crazy about scent, you know. And so um, and I just get out there and you're so cold and you're shaking and I'm, I'm praying. I'm just like. Lord, I want you to handle my family. Lord, I want you to protect my wife. Lord, I want you to protect my daughter. Like, you know, just start praying. And as I'm getting dressed, I'm just praying for them and I'll let it go. Once, once I lock the truck, all my gears in it, I got my headlamp on, whatever. Now I lock into hunting mm. and I'm like, as it's hunting. So I'm in stealth mode. I'm trying to drop my, my, uh, my, my sound, all that stuff. I'm trying to increase my senses. And as you get out in the tree stand, I'm breathing differently now. I'm all excited because I just get locked in and you're standing up. I can't sit down the first like hour I get to the tree stand because I'm so jacked. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting there just like, oh, where, 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 you know, just like, where's the deer? And I'm trying to slow everything down, you know, like after that first hour drops, you know, and I can sit down and that's when I just realize how blessed I am. Like, Lord, thank you for America. Thank you for this country. Just thank you for Grandpa Tom, you know, and just, you know, mm. getting me excited about stupid things like mud dragging big trucks, you know, and, and sticking a hot dog on a stick. And I just start, you just start reflecting, you start having yeah. gratitude. And what happens is I don't think about anything else other than just like my time with the Lord and what he's done in my life. And then just 
it's the craziest thing. I'll see a little fox and just start laughing. Uh, I just, you know, I saw a fox bearing a mouse once and I filmed it. I went home and showed it to my daughter and kind of explained how he's having to hide food. And she was just like, dad, can you imagine if we had to hide food? Like where would we put it? What if we didn't have a fridge, Mm. you know, and you, and you get into these conversations in the tree stand. I'm just, I'm thinking about how this is going to help me level up my daughter. So when I'm hunting right there, it's not work at all. It's just hundred percent gratitude. It's a hundred percent like, like breathing. It's a hundred percent just hanging out and just being thankful. And then when a deer comes, they will come. If it, you know, right now I'm kind of pretty selective. I try to shoot older does, uh, try to shoot more mature bucks, even if their horns are kind of coming back down. Um, I'm more of a big meat eater. And so um, I'm full circle. Um, there were days when, you know, a bunch of deer would rock, run by me and it wasn't a shooter and I'd go home mad. Like I didn't see a shooter, but you know, I passed up eight, eight deer, you know, like, like what am I a little spoiled brat? What's going on? You know? <laughs> okay. And so I really want you to focus on this concept of like just being locked in. So mm-hmm. I'm locked into the tree, you know, I'm locked into land conservation. If it's, if it's off season, like where we're heading right now, you know, is like preparing our land. Um, and I talk to my daughter all the time, like, Hey, do you like to go shed hunt? And then she's like, Hey dad, when can we work at, work on the tree stand? So, you know, she clips on, she climbs up, she likes to shoot her bow from the tree stand into a target. And I'm like, we got to wait till it's warm. And then she's like, all right, let me know. And, and she goes, sometimes she's in, sometimes she's not. Um, I don't have to like bug her, mess around with her. I push her when she's in, when she's all in, she's locked into the green therapy. If I force her to do stuff she doesn't want to do now, she's like hunting's work, you know, preparing the land's work. We, we can't do that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so then when you're at home, you're hundred percent at home. Like you get a notification uh, okay, what, what, what wrecks us nowadays isn't necessarily even thinking because like you could be having dinner and you get a buzz and you look and it's your, you know, it's your, it's your cellular camera. <laughs> yeah. And instantly you look at it and then it interrupts your talk with your wife or interrupts your talk with your daughter. And, and even if you glance at it and see what it is, put it back in your pocket, man. I mean, this yeah. isn't, this isn't the time, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And so what, what tends to happen is when your kids know and your wife knows you're locked in and you're all in, they come and share the most incredible things. Like, I promise you the most, the best things like, isn't my kids were, you know, state, you know, uh, archers or an all state, this and that. What really is, is the letters they send me mm. and the stuff they talk, they think, thank me for being there for them. Like, you know, this full circle for me, we've got a 30 year, 32 year old. Uh, we have a 22 year old. And we have a uh, 19-year-old and a 10-year-old. So when my 22-year-old and, and my 19-year-old send me stuff, uh, it's it makes me cry because it's like, wow, they get it. Yeah. And and that's what it's about. You know, I could own all the land in the world, but if I have a wayward son, like, I don't really think about hunting. I'm thinking about how do I grab my son? How do I get my daughter's attention? How yeah. can I reconnect? And this is why we're here. This is why we have this podcast, because we can all chase big things and 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 you know, um, my friend Brinton, you guys know Brinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I connected through you through my friend Brinton, um, at a marriage conference. I taught once, uh, I said this, I said, look, if my dream is to put the biggest deer on my wall in my man cave, I'm lost, completely lost because when I'm gone, what's going to happen is I'm going to leave those to the boys and they're going to just decide who has to sell them at a rummage, not who gets to. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gonna be like some dude's gonna come and lowball them and be like hey you put 25 dollars on this i give you a dollar they'll be like yeah i don't care man take it 
Like what, you know, what are we, what are we doing? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. And this, and this circles back to, uh, and I, and I, and I really liked you guys from the first I heard about you because the legacy word. And so my, my legacy concept is living legacy and, and the living legacy is this. And, and it, and it hit me in two ways back in when nine 11 hit, I was, I was working and I had a family there and, uh, and you, you just saw the panic on every single family. And what happened over the next few days is nobody went to work. Everybody went home, mm-hmm. home, meaning grown men, grown women, grown married folk went home to mom and dad, everybody, everyone was trying to travel to go home. And it's because when, when, when crap hits the fan, everybody feels safe with their parents. And I just started asking myself some questions like, wow, what if you don't connect with your parents? What if you and your parents are estranged? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And so I started really focusing on this concept of a living legacy. And here's what I see. I see, I see young men coming in who lost their dad to a heart attack or whatever. And, and they're struggling because they're like, you know, I never really knew my dad. He was a workaholic. You know, he had a lot of businesses. Um, I know a lot of his friends. And so my suggestion to them is, you know, why don't you take one of their friends out and ask them to tell you about your dad and teach you about your dad and they break down and then they come back and they're like, yeah, I found out my dad did this and I found out my dad did this. And I, you know, what's crazy is I found out my dad had anxiety, but he never told me or mom, you know, he just told his friends and that's, that's heartbreaking. So the concept of the living legacy is this, when I die, you know, Matt, I want you to call up my son, Tyler and say, Hey, can I take you off for coffee? And then you say to him, bro, tell me about your dad. We had yeah. this podcast once, and we had this thing called Living Legacy, and, and he really, really sparked my attention. He's like, can I buy you dinner and give you coffee? Like, tell me what your dad used to teach. Then my sons get to say, let me tell you what my dad taught me. My sons get to pull out notes and say, look, look, here, here's his old journals. That's the living legacy, man. If my kids can teach me, I'm not trying to say I'm someone special or great, but at least they have that connection to when I'm no longer around and crap hits the fan and they want to run to dad. They can run back to a couple old journals. Mm-hmm. You know, they can run back to some old videos. You know, they can run back to some old hunts because they know me. It doesn't do us any good in life to own a bunch of farms or to slay big deer uh, or to, you know, have the longest shot in our big, in our, in our buddy group, you know, of dropping an animal like 1800 meters or something. Just nuts. That stuff's cool. It's a legacy for sure, but it's not a living legacy because if we don't teach it to our kids, then they have to go take somebody else out for dinner and say, Hey dude, can I, can I take you out to dinner? Because I want you to teach me about my dad. Yeah. Like that, that really breaks me. It, it hurts. So this is the living legacy concept for us is we want to take out kids with 12, two outdoors because, um, 12, two outdoors for me is, is reaching down to the fatherless and bringing them into the outdoors. You know, like I said, I grew up a single parent mom. She worked all the time, so I literally lived at the boys' club. Here in town, the boys' club is just like a a, a place, like a shelter, a, a rec center, basically, where you, you just you know literally pay like a dollar a year, and you get a card, and you can just go into the card. It's kind of like a YMCA almost. And a lot of those kids, especially me, you know, I was fatherless, and so um, fa- the twelve two outdoors concept came two ways: one from the concept of renewing the mind, twelve two Romans twelve two, okay. So we have to get kids outside so they can renew their perspective. They can move toward uncertainty and they can find what's awesome about the great outdoors. Okay. But, but the kid in mind, our audience is, is the Bible has a guy called Mephibosheth 
And uh, he was born with some like special needs and his dad died. Uh, his uncle died. Everybody died around him. And, and the guy was fatherless. Um, and he didn't really, he lost his way. But what's really cool is in his story, some men who knew his dad, some men who his dad leveled up, they, they circled back. And because of the relationship they had with Mephibosheth's dad, they came back to restore him and took care of him. That's the living legacy thing. Like, bro, mm -hmm. let me help you because your dad, he's amazing. He helped me in so many ways. Like, I can't, I can't repay your dad for what he did, but I'm going to repay you. Well, wow. that's our 12 to outdoor concept is grabbing those fatherless kids and restoring them. So they have a shot. Uh, and, and you, as you guys know, man, getting the outdoors, just seeing an animal, especially if they're into hunting and they harvest the animal. And then we do the field to table, uh, or fork to table. What happens is they feel so accomplished. Like, uh, our, our family tradition is we go for Thanksgiving day and we shoot a, we shoot a pheasant and uh or more and i cook a pheasant with the turkey and there's there's just something about like blessing the lord and thanking the lord like this thing was alive and now i we took its life and that's going to sustain us with protein for life and people go bro you don't have to go kill you can just go to the store i'm like either way if i'm going to eat an animal on thanksgiving day somebody somebody took its life so i'm going to be thankful for us harvesting it because it's a family thing and then putting it on the table that same day just circles back to the old primitive way that we used to do it. And then I log, I can log, log into the kids about like, this is why it's so important to me. And this is why it's part of our legacy and what we do. And it circles back to grandpa Tom. Okay. And, and we just talk about those things about how they, how they connect that living legacy piece uh, is where really, really, really that I want everybody in your audience to hear, like there's deeper things that we all have to be, we're put, uh, approaching and that's our kids and our grandkids definitely definitely wow. i think you know brenton we, we we did a podcast with him earlier um and that's another podcast for this week but but what he was talking okay. about we we're talking about the the transformation of, of a farm and what that allows him to be able to do and like this afternoon he's taking his son down to go and ice fish and you know that land and this is why the name is land and legacy is now because of land and being outside that you are able to create and share these memories and have these experiences with loved ones or friends and family on the land and what they're going to experience this afternoon. One, you, you can't pay for it. it's priceless, but it's part of just being there present with him and his son. And hopefully those impactful moments are going to, be able to obviously allow them to connect in the way that you're talking about. And that's why the land and the legacy side of things, they just go hand in hand. Um, and I think that a lot of times, and, it, and we've probably been guilty of it too, um, but is that legacy is exactly what you're talking about. And I think that it's, oh, if, if I do this to this farm or whatever, um, people will remember me or I grew this big deer on this farm because of this. Um, we can easily confuse legacies and, and your definition of, of living legacy, I think, um, is just dead square nuts on of, of yeah. what a legacy is. Yeah. And, and it's, it doesn't mean we can't. We can't like, you know, uh, stock a pond so we can mm -hmm. just, you know, grab, grab a seven pound, you know, bass out of our uh, backyard. That's cool. Take pictures, you know, and put it on the wall. 
But if it's not brought with people, there's no shared experience. Mm-hmm. So, so think about this, like you, and you guys get this. If you go out like on a turkey hunt, we're talking about turkey hunting as a group. If you go out with a turkey hunt, that that one hunt will go on for forever because there's so many different shared experiences. Like two years from that hunt, you could say something in a story about about Adam, and I'm like, where was that at? And you're like, right there, the weekend on that, that that morning. I'm like, oh, dude, I wasn't on that side of the farm. Like, what happened again? Mm-hmm. And so we're still reliving the stories because. They're called shared experiences. And what happens to deer hunters, specifically deer hunters, and probably with every kind of hunting, by the way, is they get into the whole growing big animals, right? Growing big flocks, whatever. And then you don't want to bring people on because, like, what if they drop your number one hit loss buck? Yeah. You know, what if, what if they shoot the biggest turkey on the farm? You know, what if I get skunked and I bring Raul over and he gets one? Like, that stuff's got to stop. The whole idea mm-hmm. is, yeah. you know, like, bro, tell me the story. And let me tell you something. A buddy of mine, um, uh, his name's Dr. Oz, uh, and him, him and I hunted back in high school, and he's a vet. And uh, his dad tried to take me bow hunting back in the 80s. And, uh, you know, we went down to a farm, actually in Castana, and, um, and tried, to, tried to bow hunt. And, and I just, I was such an antsy guy, man. Just I wanted to move all the time, run all the time. I was such an outdoor guy. I couldn't do it. And I'll, basically they just gave me a bow and said, Hey, stand up in this tree. And I had to shoot a few targets like, you know, out in the grass. And I was pretty good at bow hunt uh, archery because I grew up at the boys club. So I'd always win archery tournaments there. And, um, so then we go up the tree stand. I'm like, okay, I'm good. So, you know, I got a little window and I sat in this little like outdoor backyard chair on, on a plank of wood. And it was just, it was, wasn't my thing. I didn't like it. But what happened is me and Todd became hunting buddies all along and we would we would go work on farms and go work on things and he taught me things like hey if a guy gives you permission you know circle back and give him a turkey you know circle back give him a you know give him a honey ham and and make sure you thank him for the for the great outdoor stuff he's uh you know blessing you with and it just really helped me to kind of connect, start to connect these pieces but what happened to todd is he, he developed a um a disease and uh, he can't hunt anymore he can't walk and you know he has to be in a wheelchair and it really breaks my heart um, because, you know, we hunted a few years ago. And so I look back at all our pictures and I still look at and pray for him and his family. And right now we're trying to take his son um, out to get him a bow. His, his son has never shot a bow buck or bow deer. So every fall, my assignment is to try to get him out and, and my responsibility. And so every fall, he's my number one, but he's an athlete too. And he runs cross country, so he's not had a lot of time. But my goal is to get his son out and 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 literally get him on camera to get shoot a deer with a bow. Um, and so when I talk to Todd, even though Todd can't go hunting, the very, if I show him a picture of anything, here's what he says. Tell me the story. Mm. He's like, I want it all. Okay. He wants the story behind it. He doesn't care about how big the buck is. He doesn't care how, you know, how big the spurs are. He might ask most of the time. He's just like, tell me the story because the story is what makes it alive. Like, how did it happen? How did it come about? Like, you know, what were you thinking? Were you shaking? He wants to know it all because that puts him in the mindset of the tree, right? That puts him right where I was at. And, and if you're a hunter, you get all those pieces. And that's why the stories are so important. Everybody else who's an on-hunt, like, oh, here comes a big story. But for us, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get it, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody else is like, hurry up, bro, hurry up. Just get the story over. Like, okay, wait, wait, there's another detail. There's another detail. Because it puts it all in perspective. And people who can't hunt anymore who, are, who need to be out there like it, you know, he can still do the green space piece. 
But the piece is that we got to keep those alive, those stories alive. So when we bring somebody else into the outdoor, that's what makes it worth it. Um, hunting alone isn't it. You know, you can get a little bit of green space, but it dies quickly because you don't have the stories to fulfill it. That's the living legacy piece. That's your land and legacy piece. So, you know, Brenton taking his kid out to, you know, uh, ice fish, it takes a picture. I promise you 10 years from now, if Brenton brings up a picture, he'll be able to pull up the whole entire story. Definitely. Right. Yeah. That's the living. It's, it's a lie. That legacy is alive. I think That's... for me, um, I grew up where we had a family farm about eight miles south of south of our home in town. And every weekend we would go, we had cows. And so we would jump in the truck with dad and we'd go to the farm and, and I'm 32 now. And my fondest and earliest memories in life are all outside dad, whether it be hunting, working cows, driving a tractor. That's like just, Oh, I could, if I'm highly stressed or just anxious, I can just close my eyes and start reliving those stories. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can just feel the stress leave going, oh, there's so many amazing things that occurred because I had access to that farm as a kid. And, you know, a big part of what we're trying to create with when we're helping clients and, and doing all this work is we want to create a just a phenomenal experience so that that owner can take his family, whether they just be on a hike and just enjoy it because that's where ultimately that's the biggest, the biggest experience um, is just the family involvement or the friend involvement rather than just the, the story where he went out on one weekend by himself and shot a big buck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. And, and, and in my experience, the people who have literally accidentally pushed everybody else away because they're chasing bucks or this is my area. You can hunt anywhere on the farm, but you can't touch this. And just those kind of things. What happens is they end up alone. Uh, and so our goal is to help them understand, um, Hey, it's okay. If you're there, if you were there, start inviting people back out, you know, you can have your favorite tree stand. That's fine. You know, you do all the work, but, but invite people out because it helps you grow more as a hunter. And more specifically, it helps you grow more like in the faith of God, because what happens is, you start to give more than you receive, and that is a never-ending gift. Like the more I give, the more God gives, and it's incredible. You cannot outgive God. And so, if you're if you're a, a younger dad and you got kids, and you bring your kids out, and your kids are still school agers or something, tell them to invite friends. And you know, as a parent, like you know, you get that vibe of like that kid's just he's no good. So we have this vibe, you know. At my age, we always say, "Oh, he's Eddie Haskell." Eddie Haskell is a dude from Leave it to Beaver who like was so fake and phony. He acted like he was you know, super goody two-shoe guy in front of the parents. But then behind the scenes, he's a bad kid for your kids. And so, you know, just be aware of the Eddie Haskell kind of type guys. But also ask this question. Ask God, say, Lord, is he the guy, the Eddie Haskell guy? Is he the guy I'm supposed to be working with right now? Maybe God's bringing that guy into your lap for a reason. Um, so I always say this, be aware and don't kick him out. Be aware and then spend more time on that guy. That guy needs help more than ever. And so my, my language to, to men specifically who own farms or lease farms or have that hunting skill, there are so many boys who are hungry looking for what we have, but they don't know how to ask because they don't know what they're looking for. They're blind. And when you take a person out with your kids, pay attention for the hand of God and just ask, ask the Lord. Say, hey, Lord, or, uh, you know, is that guy somebody you want me to mentor? And uh, start bringing that kid out more with your son and start hunting more and start. What you'll find is 
he has that heart to be good because that's why he he's good around parents, but he doesn't think he's good enough. So he, he's a jerk around your kids. Mm. So what we need to do is circle up around those guys and see if they can become hunters, become outdoors guys. And they might have a different take. Like they might like more of the chainsaw and just doing the work. Uh, they might like to get behind the camera. They might like to do the film work and the editing work, uh, but they'll, they'll love a part of it. And so we, ha- it, I, I believe it's my obligation. It's my responsibility to find guys like that. I've been fortunate enough to circle up and just uh, have land of people around me. I don't own my own land, um, but uh, my push has been a little bit legacy stuff with kids. And as you know, we graduate everybody, then we'll be looking for land. But right now my thing is let's look for the hand of God in kids to level up kids. So now he's part of your living legacy. That, that kid's another kid now who can go out and teach more kids. So everyone we teach, they can flip and teach another one. And that's how, that's how discipleship happens. Uh, especially in the woods. Without a doubt. I, I think that we have covered a lot of just fantastic points. And, and Dr. Sanchez, you've, you've hit on so many different, um, I want to say almost like tender spots uh, in a lot of probably people's lives. And whether they, whether they admit it or not, um, or even are aware of it, it, it probably brought things to light. And I hope everyone, you know, reflects on that. And I know that number one, this is because we've we've talked about it. There's there's many other podcasts to come um, on living legacy and, and just mindsets. And, and you've got some other stories that you've shared. It's like we need to do a podcast just on, on yeah, that. Sure. And and man, I, I just I don't want to cut it off. But Adam, do you have any other <laughs> any other thoughts? I mean, we 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 go for hours on this. Yeah, I was yeah. sitting here trying to go through our questions that we had laid out pre-show, and I'm like. Wow, we covered that, and we didn't even ask the question. No, I know, he already I know. addressed it. <laughs> just um, that's nailed cool. It. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, it's I'm just I'm just listening and and just taking it all in, and it's very, you know, it's something that there's there's so much more to land ownership or just outdoors in general, and we talk so much every week about habitat and improving the land, and whether it's management for whitetails or management for quail, but this is one of those where it's like tying it all in this is this is the glue that holds it all together this is the why and um and i think it becomes you you mention it with your kids and it becomes even more under the magnifier glass whenever a magnifying glass when you have uh so i've got a 14 month old daughter and it's like as soon as i look at her it's like whoa everything changes it's like everything has a new meaning a deeper meaning and and uh you you find what the glue is and this this podcast is the glue that holds it all together yeah absolutely like my, my boys uh and my daughter were all shooting a bow at age three uh, <laughs> that's you know, awesome yeah and uh you know five yards they get a bullseye and stuff like that and you know we graduated them all past that little you know little tyke bow um a little bear it's a bear archery bow so um so we we gave that to brinton for his son isaiah you mm-hmm. know and, and and to see the videos of him shooting and getting so jacked and fist bumping and fist pumping and that's the living legacy side that I, that I want to really push is uh, just like, you know, you grow land and you grow deer. In my opinion, first comes you grow your kids. And yes. so that 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 resilient man grows his family first. And, and I'm not saying, you know, sell your land. And I'm not saying none of that matters. Absolutely. Like without without, you know, people who own land, I wouldn't get permission to hunt. You know, I wouldn't they wouldn't bless me and say, hey, I know what you do. Uh, hey, use my land. OK, so. For those of you that are listening, I'm not in any way trying to uh, dismiss or uh, 
or smear anything that your living legacy has been producing. I'm just asking you to take a different look now and look for the hand of God and take a look for a kid like a Mephibosheth, the kid who has no dad, the kid who has skills, and they'll see if we can bless him, uh, you know, through your land. So do what you do, love what you love and keep, keep pressing in and keep serving God. And the last thing I would tell you is if I stepped on your toes, I don't mean to, but, but, but the, the knock against me is whether you love him or hate him, he'll tell you what, what you need to hear. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so well, we kind of do that uh, on the habitat side. Yeah, so they're exactly. probably used to coming okay, with their perfect. steel toe boots on. They already lost all perfect. their toes. We amputated them years ago. Now yep. you've got a podcast coming out. Yes. We have to make sure people are aware of this. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So uh, if you go to uh, YouTube and search uh, at renewing the mind clinic, um, we've got some videos there. We've got a great video called the six stages of change which for people setting a goal, trying to understand and be aware of where you're at, that's a, that's a great video that's out. We're dropping a podcast called Renewing the Mind Clinic from YouTube there. Uh, we're dropping that starting on Monday. We've got shows ready to go. Um, the uh, 12 to Outdoors website is, uh, is 12, spell out the word 12, and then semicolon 2, the number 2, outdoors.com. And that represents the uh, Romans 12, too. So I put the colon in there just to represent the Bible verse. Mm -hmm. uh, so 12 colon two outdoors.com. And you can also find uh, 12 colon two outdoors at Facebook. And then and then the other two are, would be um, on Instagram is at Raul Sanchez, Ph.D. And then Facebook is just at Raul Sanchez. Man, I appreciate it, sir. This is I, I, I can't wait to hear the feedback um from folks i know we'll, we'll be sharing those with you because um your message just just rings true um and and it's definitely enlightening to people it's been um a blessing just to get to know you here recently and i know that there's a lot more to come from this and and this will be one of many times that i hope that you will uh be able to come on the podcast and share this with folks because um, we we don't we don't need to hear this, you know, you know, once a year. We need to hear this often. We need to be reminded of this and just take in and slow down and um, be outside, but be also be present where you're at, whether, you know, you're at different stages at life with your family. Um, and this constant reminder uh, is definitely valuable to all of us. So we certainly appreciate your time, your knowledge and your faith and your willingness to be able to share that with us. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Anytime, man. Well, sir, you have a great rest of your weekend, and we will absolutely be in touch, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Thank you, man. Well, there you have it. I powerful, mean, man. to tell you, yeah, very powerful, um, very honest, very open. Yeah. Um, just a uh, – Something uh, something that's a good reminder for all of us. You know, one thing, Adam, when I first talked with Dr. Sanchez, that hit me in that basically is like, I really, really appreciate that. And I think today's example and conversation what was the um, epitome of this. But he says he wakes up every morning early, studies, does devotional, gets into the Word, reads it, and then – Basically, he's filling up his cup every day, and he just wants to pour it out on other people, just pour it out. Wakes up the next day, does the same thing, and then tries to pour it out. Well, we just got 
dumped on. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I hope everyone listening feels that way too, because that's just, there's so many, so much wisdom and, and truth into those words um, and stuff that we can just apply directly to our lives. And I'm sure, I know Adam, you and I both have struggled with, with things that he talked about. It's like, oh, oh absolutely. man. Whew, that no, I think a, it's something that check. a lot of serious hunters have struggled with Seriously. or continue to struggle with. Shoot, I struggled with it some this fall. Yeah, um, absolutely. You, you get out of balance or you get kind of selfish, and, and this is always a great reminder <laughs> that, that yeah. really the deer heads on the wall don't amount to anything. No, they sure don't. They They're, sure don't. You know, I look at them. The, the great thing about deer heads for me personally is like, and I don't have that many mounts because I'm not a huge, like, I've shot some good deer that are just European mounts uh, that I don't really even, I don't even have them hanging in my house. Um, they're actually in my parents' uh, <laughs> storage area. But uh, when I see shoulder mounts, it's like that kind of like that green space. Like, it's not really the fact that it's a trophy. It's more like the memories of going, oh, man, I remember I was with my brother or whatever at the, at that point or you and I shot that buck, um, yep. sticker eight, and we took it to my grandparents. Things like that. Um, yeah. But it's not a, a significant like, oh, look at me, I'm a macho hunter. I got five. I've got five deer heads on the wall because those are the ones. Like if uh, if that's the way, it kind of it's not really a bragging board. It's a memory. It's a memory reminder for me. And uh, you know, it's just it's just such a good reminder when you hear this podcast of golly. Hunting is not supposed to be something that causes division in your family and your relationships. No, no, it's not. And like I said, we've all we've all been there, struggled, and it's one of those ones like Matt September, September one. You better go back and listen to this thing because you're gonna have to just get get yourself grounded and know where important things lie in the priorities of those because it's so quickly and, and as much like ramp up and anticipation as everyone has for season um everyone's right there at the, the starting gate ready to just take off sprinting right it's like i need to i need to remain balanced here and so i'm going to find myself i know going back september and re-listening to that thing just to make sure i'm personally taking <laughs> the right steps <laughs> yeah absolutely for sure um yeah i mean i i hope everybody enjoyed it stuck around um, be sure to check out his handles, social media handles, yes. um, new book coming out and, uh, man, just, uh, this is going to be a good one to have him come back on in the future. Oh, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already we, we kind of have a, a topic discussed for, for next time. And, and there's probably even more after that we've, we've got discussed. So it's like, Ooh, I can't wait for all those to come. Cause they're going to be probably, if not, uh, just as strong, if not stronger. Um, and just like the delivery so boy check them out um if there's any ways that you guys feel you could support 12 2 outdoors um that mission is just uh is an awesome one too so check that out for sure all right 